Hello, Real Life family. Glad you could join me today. We are going to dive back into the book of Romans. And we've been going through Romans this year, just kind of going through chapter by chapter uh, and learning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that everyone who believes in Jesus can be saved. And so uh, I want to review a little bit with you today. And we're looking at Romans chapters pretty much 10 and 11, a little bit of 9, 10, and a little bit of 11. So we're talking about Israel, and today's uh, message is entitled, Everyone Who Believes. Because the Bible says, everyone who believes in Jesus, everybody who confesses their sin and their faith in Him, uh, and, and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believes in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, will be saved. And that's the good news. This is for every single one. So we're going to go back through history very quickly and remind ourselves that Abraham, around 1800, just give or take a little bit, around 1800 BC, God came to Abraham and began to pick him out as a person who he was going to work through to be a blessing to the nations, to the world. Remember in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I'm going to bless you, and those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. I'm going to make through you all the peoples of the, of the world, all nations of the world will be blessed. And so God picks a man, Abraham. Abraham has a son, Isaac. He has a son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. It becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. They go into slavery into Egypt. Moses is raised up by God, brings them out of slavery after 400 years of slavery into the desert and there God meets with the people and cuts a covenant with them right the 10 commandments God meets with Moses on the mountain and gives them the law the Torah the law and so God starts from that moment on this is around 1400 BC God brings a covenant to the people of Israel through Moses and from that moment on we have uh, the unveiling of the Old Covenant period of history, Old Covenant or Old Testament. Now, we had the recording of that in our Bibles. Our Bibles are divided by the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Old Covenant God made with Moses and the people of Israel, and the New Covenant God has made through His Son, Jesus Christ, with us today. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give a quick overview of all of this so that we can understand what Paul is saying in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Because Paul comes from the Jewish lineage. He comes from those who were given the original law from Moses and lived 1,400 years from 1,400 B.C. until the time of Christ under this pressure to fulfill the old covenant with God. And so to summarize what the Old Covenant looks like, I would say this. Obedience to God's law equals righteousness. Righteousness is to be made right with God, to be in good standing with God, to have God's favor, to be saved, if you will, right? We're in relationship with God. So righteousness comes from the Old Covenant through perfect obedience to the law. And it uh, I just picked out one verse to kind of summarize the, the whole Old Testament, okay? And I picked out Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 24 and 25. So listen to this. It says, The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey, 
to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Okay, so this verse, or two verses, really kind of summarize the whole idea of the Old Testament. If we will obey God, it will go well with us, and that will be our righteousness. Obedience to God, obedience to His decrees, obedience to the law. So that was the, the history of mankind for 1,400 years. Now, it's interesting that with Abraham, 1,800 B.C., Abraham was under a different relationship connection with God. The Bible says Abraham believed God and God credited it to Abraham as righteousness. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Before the Old Testament or before the Old Covenant came through Moses, the law, Abraham had a faith-based relationship, a faith-based righteousness in God. The Bible says he believed in God and God credited righteousness to Abraham's account because Abraham trusted in God. For 400 years, the original family of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the people, they, they didn't have the law. While they were in slavery in Egypt, they didn't have the law. They only had faith in God. They only had the stories of God working through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were praying for God to deliver them out of slavery. And so they only had faith. So for 400 years, the people lived by faith in God. And then God reveals his law to the people, to Moses. And then for 1,400 years, they're trying to live up to that law. Now, God knew that this was not possible, but he was revealing his character and his nature and the way to live life perfectly. And the Bible makes it clear that the law of God is good. Actually, it's perfect and it's eternal. And if anyone could live the perfect law of God perfectly, they would never die. They would have eternal life. Okay? It's very important to understand. If someone was able to live perfectly the entire law of God and not sin at all, they would live forever. They would have eternal life and they would prosper. Now, that's not possible. No one's been able to do that. And so now we come to Romans where Paul begins to unveil this. But in Ezekiel chapter 36, we get a picture from the prophet Ezekiel. God is speaking through him of a new covenant God was going to cut. Now, this is around 600 B.C. So for 800 years, from 1400 to 600 B.C., um, the Israelites were trying to live the law of God out. And they would obey, and then they'd disobey. Then they obey, and then they'd disobey. God would bless them, and then they, they would be defeated by their enemy. God would bless them and raise up a deliverer, and then they'd stray from God and then fall again. And this is the roller coaster of human history. This is the roller coaster of your life and my life of up and down, up and down, up and down, not able to sustain that commitment to God and that righteousness through perfect obedience. No one can do it, right? So God says this in Ezekiel, around 600 B.C., we begin to see the prophets, uh, God using the prophets to say to the people, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to come alongside of you. Uh, I know that you can't do it. I am going to empower you. There's going to be a time that comes. I'm going to make a way for a new covenant to happen between us. So he says this in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 
So God himself is going to put his spirit within us to give us this power. The spirit of God is going to actually move us, empower us to actually obey him. And that's a great thing because we're not robots. But as we yield to the spirit of God in our lives, we will have a new power that enables us to actually follow God and enjoy the life that comes as a result of righteousness, righteous living. And so Paul summarizes the, the uh, New Covenant summary in Romans chapter 3, verses 20 to 23. And it is simply this. The New Covenant begins to be revealed through Christ's resurrection that it is now through faith in Jesus is how we are made righteous. Not through works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. Not through something that we do, but something that God has done. Not in something... Uh, that we, we have to try to strive for, but something that we need to trust in, Jesus. So Paul puts it this way in Romans 3, 20 to 23. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. No one can do that. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, of our need for God's help, right? But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, to all who believe. Whereas under the law, no one could qualify for righteousness. Under faith in Jesus, everyone qualifies if you have faith, if you have faith. And then he goes on to say there's no difference between a Jew and a Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, what Paul is saying and this is key for Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 to understand. He's saying, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you are a Jew who's been trying under the law to obey God and please God all these years, <clears throat> excuse me, or a Gentile who hasn't even had the law to guard, uh, to guard or guide your life whatsoever, doesn't matter. Both have fallen short and both are only going to find righteousness in God through the same means, which is faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you need to place your faith in Jesus to be saved. That's it. That's the whole idea here of Romans. And yet, everyone who does this is saved. To the Jews, this is very offensive. Because how, how in the world can you say that the Gentiles can be saved when they haven't earned it, when they haven't done all this stuff that we have? We've been the ones carrying the load. We've been the ones trying to serve God for all these years. How can these guys just waltz into the, into the eternal life of God through faith in Christ without doing anything, right? <laughs> and so you can see the tension here. And Paul is a Jew. He came out of the, the Jewish faith. And, uh, and found Jesus, met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus literally showed him all of this stuff, right? Opened his eyes. And so now he has a heart for his fellow Jews, those who have been bound by the law and are restricted in their thinking that salvation is only through the law. They missed their Messiah. They didn't see Jesus as their Messiah. And so they're, they're not tapping into faith in Jesus. They're still under the law. So Paul, his heart is breaking in chapter 9 and 10 and 11. He wants to see his fellow Jews come to faith in Jesus. He knows that this is the only way that no one will ever find righteousness through obedience to the law. It's impossible. That's why God had to come. That's why Jesus came. That's what Jesus opened a way for each and every one of us to have that salvation in him. So this is very important to understand what Paul is saying when you read 
uh, these chapters in Romans. Now, Paul also talks about this being a mystery. And in Ephesians chapter 3, he talks about and uses this word mystery. And the mystery is this, that for all of this time working through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel, God was working through a people, working through a family, working through a nation in order to uh, witness to and declare to and show the world his glory and his love and his character and his redemption. So Israel was always meant to be a light to the nations right? To be a blessing to all the world. And, and indeed, they have been and are because Jesus came through uh, and was a Jew. And through the Jewish line, God brought the Savior of the world. And now all who place faith in him are blessed. So Israel has fulfilled that, that sense of calling in their lives. But they thought the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was only their God. They thought that this salvation was only for them. And yet, there's a mystery being uh, revealed here that Paul refers to is that it's not just about you. It's always been about God in you, working through you to the whole world, which the whole world would be called Gentiles to them. And so Paul's like, this is the mystery revealed is that salvation isn't just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles too. It's for everyone who believes. Hallelujah, because that's, a, that's me. That's probably you. There's only about 12 or 13 million Jews in the world out of the 8 billion people on the planet. So most of us are excited about this gospel, right? Because we're included. It's not just for 12 million, a billion, I'm sorry, 12 million or 13 million Jews. It's, God didn't just make salvation for them. He has revealed the mystery through Christ that it is for everyone. Everyone who will believe in Jesus. And the unfortunate part of this part of the, of the scriptures that Paul is wrestling with is that many of the Jews have rejected Jesus up until this point where Paul is writing. Okay? And he's writing about 57 AD, only about 24 years after the resurrection of Jesus. But in those 24 years of the gospel spreading around the known world, and Paul himself being one of the main missionaries, probably the most prominent missionary of the early church, going all over the known world, preaching the gospel, he had a firsthand um, uh, witness of The Jews consistently, many of them, rejecting Jesus as Messiah, but the Gentiles coming in droves by faith in Jesus. And so Paul's heart is aching. He says, God's not done with Israel yet. He's not done with them yet. Because just for a time, their hearts are hardened, their eyes are blinded, but there will be a day when they will see the revelation of Jesus as their Messiah and they will return. They will be saved. That's what our hope is, okay? And so look at this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Paul says, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery that is revealed. And this was only revealed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
and the outworking of that revelation in those next few years following uh, that resurrection and the apostles taking this message to the world. Now, he also says this, Paul says this in Colossians 1.27. He says, here is the summary of this mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's losing our life and surrendering it to Jesus and having Jesus become our new identity and Christ in us is the hope of glory. That's the hope of salvation. That's the hope of transformation. It's not something I do. It's not a religion I practice. It is a relationship with Jesus. It's a surrendered life into the hands of Christ, the Messiah, who has come to save me, who has come to save you. It's faith in Him is the hope of glory. Isn't that good news? That's the New Testament. That's the new covenant Jesus made possible for you and for me. The problem is that the majority of the Jews did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Therefore, they are continuing at this point in time to pursue their tradition of pursuing righteousness by obedience to the law. While the Gentiles are hearing the gospel, and of course, they're believing by faith in Jesus. It's so ironic. The very ones that were supposed to embody that salvation and take it to the world are the ones who are rejecting it at first. And so the salvation goes to the world and then it's going to circle back and come back to the people of Israel, the Jews. <laughs> yeah. So in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, I want to read this because this is Paul talking about this. He says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So what Paul is saying is they are zealous to follow the word of God. They are doing everything they can to um, obey the word of God, to create all these traditions, all these laws, all these expectations, all these practices, you know, to please God, but they're trying to gain a righteousness of their own through obedience. So they've rejected the righteousness that is by faith in Christ. So in verse 4, it's a very important verse, Romans 10, 4, Paul says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. This is such a powerful statement. This is cutting right through the Old, Old Testament and the Old Covenant and revealing the new one. All in one sentence. Paul says, Christ has taken all the Old Covenant and he is the culmination of the law. In other words, the word there in Greek means he has fulfilled all of the expectations and requirements of the Old Covenant. He did it. No one could do it, but he did it. He actually lived a perfect, obedient life to all of the fullness of the old covenant. He did it. He was only able to do it because he was God. He wasn't born into sin. He wasn't born with a sinful nature. He was born of God, born of the spirit, born of God. And he did it. Therefore, remember what I said. If anyone could live this perfect life in complete and perfect obedience to all of the law, they would never die. Remember how I said that a few minutes ago? They would have eternal life. That's who Jesus is. He can never die. He earned eternal life. He never sinned. Therefore, 
He took our sin upon himself, paid for our debt, and in exchange has given us his eternal life. Oh, man. This is how amazing God is. This is the brilliance of God's mercy and grace. This is the fullness of God's demonstration of love to you and to me and to all of humanity. For everyone who places their faith in Jesus, they get the credit of eternal life because he did it. He actually did. Christ is the culmination of the law. He fulfilled the law. He said it this way himself. Jesus said this before he went to the cross in Matthew 5, 17. Listen to what he says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, or in some sort of way, just shove it to the side or be done with it. I'm not, I'm not coming to just push it to the side. Listen to what he says. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I have come to obey them. I have come to fulfill them. And Jesus did. And because he did that, he put an end to, the, to mankind's need to strive for righteousness through obedience under the law, and he opened a new way for us to trust in him, to place our faith in him, to access life to the full, life eternal through him. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me, through faith in me, through a relationship with me. That's why Jesus could say that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Eternal life comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Wow, this is so exciting to think about. So the misunderstanding of the Jews is that the law is still the means of righteousness. That's a misunderstanding. That's wrong. The law is no longer a means of righteousness. Jesus has fulfilled the law perfectly, creating a way for us to gain righteousness through faith in him. But the Gentiles in the history of our church, not just like real life, I'm just talking the history of the Gentile church, right? There's also seems to be a historical misunderstanding of the Gentiles that I have heard many people speak some sort of way about this. Somehow that the law no longer matters because Jesus put an end to it. I have a Bible. It's, it's called the 1984 New International Version. And in my version... It says in chapter 10, verse 4 of Romans, Christ is the end of the law. But when I was studying this, um, I saw that the NIV has changed the interpretation of this verse. And as I mentioned to you a few minutes ago, it's now written like this. Christ is the culmination of the law. Because my Bible says Christ is the end of the law. And that created a lot of confusion for people. And really, it was a bad translation. Because it really means that Christ fulfilled the law. Christ didn't put an end to it. But some Gentiles, many Christians, believe that, hey, I got a relation with Jesus. This doesn't matter anymore. Like, I don't need to worry about this. Like, Jesus put an end to it. Like, the law, I don't have to, I don't have to do the law. I don't have to worry about the law. Uh, that's a misunderstanding, too. That's a misunderstanding to, to, to somehow think that the law of God now is no longer perfect and it's no longer eternal, and it no longer leads us to life if we follow it, that's just a complete lie, right? So here's the difference. Here's the balance that you need to understand. Number one, absolutely, righteousness is only found 
through faith in Jesus Christ. But number two, the Holy Spirit has come as a fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 36. God has brought his Holy Spirit to fill us, to empower us to live out the word of God that we might have abundant life. The word of God is no longer, is not voided. It's not outdated. It is still perfect. It is still holy and it is still eternal. And Jesus says, there's not going to be a stroke of my word that passes away until it is fulfilled, right? Heaven and earth might pass away, but not my word. Therefore, God empowers us with the Holy Spirit to actually live out the word of God. If your life is not in alignment with the word of God, you're sinning and you're causing damage to you. Even though you have faith in Jesus, you are causing damage. Your sin is still causing pain or death or hurt or brokenness. It's not going to lead to abundant life. Jesus wants you to have abundant life. So he gave you his spirit so you could actually live in the good of his word. Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay, that's the proper perspective to have, that we are saved by faith in, in Christ, but we live empowered by the Holy Spirit, God power. That's the fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter uh, 36. So the way to righteousness, Paul makes clear, is no longer through obedience to the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The system of gaining righteousness through the law is over. Jesus has made a new system, and it's called faith, faith in him. So uh, Paul summarizes this in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. He says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's making that absolutely clear. He's repeating himself over and over and over again. And so what role does the law play in our lives today? It doesn't play the, the role of us gaining righteousness, but it does through the power of the Holy Spirit play a role of us accessing abundant life. Because now that we have the power to obey the word of God through the spirit that's living in us, we are accessing abundant life, the life that God has for you and for me. So I want to remind you of chapter 8 in Romans, verse 8, verse 13 says, Paul says, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. You're going to cause problems. It's going to be bad. But if by the spirit in you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You will live. So now we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. When you look back on Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, that's what Paul is saying. We now have this power, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in us that can lead us into obedience of the law so that we are um, entering into the, the results of that, which is abundant living. And so Jesus, or, or, or Paul says this, Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. One of the most famous scriptures um, about salvation in the Bible. 
And, and he says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on to say, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. In other words, the New Testament is this. The new covenant is this. You believe and you say, you're, you have a faith in Jesus, so you're believing and you're speaking your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you gain salvation. You gain righteousness. The Old Testament was you were doing and trying to obey to get righteousness. The New Testament says we believe in our heart. We speak with our mouth, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I surrender to you. Okay, that's the difference that Paul is making here. And so a quick summary. Number one, our salvation comes from faith in Jesus. And number two, abundant life comes from living by the Holy Spirit. Okay, And so I just want to finish this message by saying God's not done with Israel yet. When Paul wrote uh, Romans 9, 10, 11, this was around 57 AD, as I mentioned earlier. Now we are almost 2,000 years later, and we do see Jews coming to Christ. But there's going to be a great end-time revival of the Jewish people. It is a mystery that Paul uh, hints that there's going to be a season of time and we've been living in it for a long time, a season of time in which the Gentiles are coming to faith. And then when that fullness of number comes to, to, together in the eyes of God, in the history of, of, of how God's doing things, there's going to be an awakening, a return of the Jews, an awakening, almost like a veil is going to be taken off of their eyes or their hearts. And they will see Jesus had the revelation that Jesus is their Messiah, and they will repent and receive him. And Paul says it this way, and all of Israel will be saved. Now, some interpretations are, well, all that, that were, are meant to be saved will be saved. Some think it's going to be all, we don't, we don't know exactly what all that means, but there's going to be a great revival. And here's a couple of verses I wanted to share with you that God's not done yet. Zechariah 8.8. 8. The prophet says this, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. So there's a day that God is going to gather his people back from all over the place. Zechariah 10, uh, 12, 10 says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Listen to this. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. In this moment, in Zechariah 10, uh, 12, 10, the prophecy is saying they will see Jesus and they will repent. They will, they will understand. They will see him and they will come to know him. In Zechariah 13, 1, God says, On that day a fountain will be opened to the house of David, this is talking about Jews, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to cleanse them from sin and impurity. There's going to be a great revelation uh, in the Jewish community that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And so as I finish the, this uh, section of scriptures, which is very difficult to teach, I believe, I want to read for you Paul's summary in Romans 11, starting in verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant at this mystery, brothers. 
so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. That's what God says uh, in the prophet Isaiah. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. He's talking to Gentiles. So they too, now the Jews, have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And so that's, God, that's Paul's summary of what God is doing and the timing that we're living in between the Gentiles and the Jews and how God's going to pull it all together. We have all fallen short. We have all been bound by disobedience. And yet the mercy of God has been poured out upon the Gentiles in large part and will also one day be poured out and received on the part of the Jews themselves. Hallelujah. God's not done yet. God's not done yet. And so I want to finish with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul starts by saying, therefore, and I'm telling you what, when you read Romans 1 through chapter 11, and you see the amazing new covenant that God has cut with us through, the, through faith in Jesus Christ, the mercy that God has for us, Paul says all of that, and then he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, do you see all that he has done for you? In response to the mercy of God, this is what you ought to do, he says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Give your life to him. Surrender everything to him. Live your life as a living sacrifice. And in verse 2, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This world is dying. It's broken. It's in chaos. It's insane. Don't think like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't be like the world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world any longer, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to the word of God, the mercy of God. And now apply the spirit in you to learning the word of God and changing your mind and thinking like God thinks and seeing what God sees and feeling what God feels. And when you're renewed by your mind, Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I pray that that's your response today to the mercy of God. God, I'm all yours. You have done what I could not do. And now you have given me eternal life by faith in you. I belong to you. I'm all yours. Lord, change me. Transform me. Help me, Lord, to be that witness here on the earth for your glory, for your name's sake. Amen? Amen. Well, I pray that your heart today, if you need Jesus, just cry out to him and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. As that scripture I read for you in Romans 10, 9 and 10, all you got to do is just do that. Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. 
I'm yours. I'm all in. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I give myself to you. I trust in you. I place my faith in you. You now lead me. You fill me. I'm all yours in your name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, you are saved. You're born again. You're on a new journey, a new path forward. You have a new identity and your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Let me just bless you as we close this uh, video, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Hope to see you soon. Go out there and just continue to love people as Jesus has loved you.